Welcome to Savvy Business, Life Unscripted with your host, Christina Rivera, where our guests share their wisdom and valuable business tips, empowering our audience to expand their personal potential. Hi, Rocky Lavani. Welcome to Savvy Broadcasting, Life Unscripted. I'm so grateful to have you here today. We are going to talk about focusing on profit first in life and business. Because as we are going to learn and we're going to share with our audience, it's not just about money that makes you grow and get to your fullest potential in your life and in your business. So welcome, Rocky. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here today. Uh, you betcha. You have quite an extensive background. You have an MBA. You've also worked at the IRS doing taxes. So you have a slew of background in money and how to efficiently grow your life and use money as a tool to grow to the highest potential. Share with our audience how you got involved in working in this, uh, in this area. So I just want to clarify, I'm yes. an enrolled agent. So that means I'm, I can represent clients in front of the IRS, but I didn't, I've never worked for the IRS. So I just want to make sure oh God, I'm not you. the evil person. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, you know what? Growing up, money was always just a conversation in the house. It was something that we talked about. And I, I ended up doing economics in college, got an MBA. But I, I always struggled because a lot of the things that, when I was growing up, if you wanted to get involved with money, seemed to be working for a brokerage. And then you had to start selling products. And I never liked the products that were being sold out there. I didn't think they were valuable. I don't think they really helped the people. I think they made the brokers a lot of money, but not the people. And then the more I kind of got involved in red, I, I, I just had this question that I could never get answered, which is, how is it that we live in such an abundant country and we make so much money and yet so few people hold on to it? There should be a lot more millionaires. And so I just started doing a lot of research and I came across money mindsets and behavioral psychology and understanding why people behave the way they do. Hmm. And then the second big aha was, all right, people are like this. I just assume business owners, you're a business owner, you're in business, you must know your financials, you must understand your numbers. Mm -hmm. That's what all business owners do. And the aha was probably 80% of business owners don't want to look at their financials. It's like a root canal. And I was like, oh my God, we're in business to make money. We got to look at the numbers. And so that was kind of that latest pivot to say, I can help people with this. We can turn that root canal into a bowl of ice cream and make this so simple and so easy. Yeah. Let's just do it. Wow. Rocky, I'm, I'm getting from you. And what I really, really love is I've never heard of a family that sat down and talked about money. And it's interesting to me, Rocky, why is there so much adversity to talking and dealing with money? Because actually, when I've talked to friends in the past, what is your money situation? None of your business. I don't want to talk about it. And I'm like, what is that? Where does that come from? Why is there so much shame around money? I don't know that it's shame. And it's funny because your friends will talk to you about sex, but they won't talk to you about money, which is really odd. <laughs> so I think it's uh, money just for some reason in the United States is a taboo subject. Mm -hmm. It depends on where you are in the world. In a lot of parts of the world, it's not taboo. Mm -hmm. A couple of things, I think Number one, if you think about it, because I always ask people this question, you know, how did you learn about money growing up and how much did your school teach you? Well, I have an MBA. I have an economics degree. My school never taught me about money. Mm. High school never taught you about money. Mm. And I think there is a part of it that shame. I think 
there's a whole variety of different things. Mm-hmm. And so I, I can't say why it became the cultural norm in the United States, yeah. but it shouldn't be. Money is nothing more than a tool. And we should talk about how we use our tools and how to better utilize them. And I think part of it is because in the United States, we judge people's value based on their net worth. And that's not true. I think that was a big aha for me because I did chase that for a long time saying, oh, if I become rich, then I'll become whatever and I'll be happy and thrilled. And I came to learn that that just wasn't the case. Wow. That, that is so telling. What happened for me, Rocky, is I was in the corporate world for many years and I was like, when I finally reach VP of some company or president, I will finally have made it. And then for me, it wasn't the money, even though the money would follow, but it was the prestige and what I felt would grant me the certain amount of respect or, or now you've, you're a trusted individual now that you've reached the status. And money would just follow. So, and, and you're right. Money is kind of that tie to be like, oh, you have this much money. That means you have this much status. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that's necessarily true. And, and that brings the phrase, which is always, when I achieve X, then I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Or then I'll be satisfied. And that's never going to happen. Yeah. You have to be happy and satisfied on the journey. Exactly. How have you helped people discover where they are with their money financial situation today and how they can increase it and get better at it. How do you work with people? What does it look like? So I think a a big thing is I like to learn about people's origin story. So what's your money origin story? What are the underlying beliefs that you just subconsciously believe? And then where did they come from? Most of our money stories are created between the ages of about five and 13. So if you think about it, the money story you're telling yourself today is a, is a story that you learned when you were 10 years old. Well, it may have served you at 10, but it doesn't serve you today. And I think once we start to understand our money stories and what they are and why we behave the way we do, then we can start to bring about change. I think that's really a big part of it. And you'll see that people who think that rich people are evil, when they start to make money, it somehow disappears from them because they subconsciously want to get rid of it because they don't want to be evil because that's what they think. If I have money, I'm evil. Yeah. Instead of thinking the possibility that now that I can help more people now that I have some money to share. Yeah. That, that's it. And you're, you're so right about the money stories. It was several years ago when I started my business, I worked with a mentor myself and she first got at me like, what is your first goal to make money at? What do you want to do? You know, quarter wise, year wise. I said, well, my first quarter, my goal is to make a hundred thousand. Well, I didn't even get close to that. I mean, not even close, <laughs> not even scraps of service. And then she said to me, she realized, okay, you're not reaching your goal. You're making all these cold calls. You're going out there. You're having meetings with people trying to make deals tell me what's going on behind the surface here. What do you think about money? And she started asking me about that. I was like, well, what's that have to do with anything? And she's like, well, what did you grow up? What did you talk about? Da, 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 da. And it was like something we never talked about. In fact, it was shame around it. My, my mom and dad would just not talk about it, but you'd hear them screaming about money. Um, mm-hmm. So it's interesting you bring that up because it's something that works behind the scenes that you're not even paying attention to. And you start to relive your parents' life and your life all over again. Well, and I don't even know that it's your parents' life. I think it's it's something that occurred during your childhood, and everyone has a different uh, a different experience. So you can look at brother and sister, and they grew up in the same household, and yet they could have 
totally different money scripts because mm-hmm. something happened at a certain age or an event affected one person one way mm-hmm. and another person looked at it a totally different way. So it's not always necessarily that you're taking on your parents, but something somewhere just made your script the way it is. Mm-hmm. And that happens in more than just money. It, it happens in all parts of our life. And so we have to examine all those different scripts mm-hmm. and overcome them. Yeah. So you're working with someone, you talk to them, you get deeper into their money story. You find that maybe they think money's evil because rich people are evil. How do you begin to peel back the layer and, and, and have them realize that that thought, that core thought is not a reality? How do they begin to shift that? Well, so I think the first step is awareness and constantly being aware. And then once you notice the awareness, it's it's asking yourself, is that true? Is that really what's happening? And looking for examples to say that it isn't so. And then it's also maybe rewriting your story. If you had money, how would you be? Are you going to be what you think it's going to be? Or is there something different for your story? And so it's rewriting. It's not, it's not a flip of a switch. No. It's something that takes time. We constantly have to look ourselves in the mirror and constantly say, oh, there's that thought again. Yeah, I remember that. That was 10-year-old self. It's not true today. I'm going to make a change. And you just keep doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And Rocky, what I'm liking here, I remember many years ago, um, my mentor had asked me to write out my perfect day, my perfect year, like Mm -hmm. plan it out. What would it look like? And the part that I really liked at the end, she's like, great. Now that you've written out what your perfect day, job, career, vocation looks like, what would it cost? Because that's when we we, we often throw out there and I've heard people say it when I've been at, you know, maybe a self-help organization. Um, event to be like, what, what do you want? I want a million dollars. I want $2 million, but they're just numbers we're throwing out. But when she said to me, what would that dream life cost? Now you're putting an actuality reality on it. My dream life is living in this specific neighborhood in this specific type of house, um, driving maybe this type of car with these type of friends. What would it look like if I lived that lifestyle? What would it cost to live that lifestyle? Now there's a why behind that money you say you want to grow or bring into your life. There is, but I, I challenge you to make sure that that's really what you want. I think we all have this dream of what that is, but that may not be the reality of what it is. All of those things that you mentioned create obligations. Oh, I want a fancy car. Great. Now I have a fancy car. Now I have to take care of it. Now I can't park it here and I have to worry about this. And oh, wait a minute. The neighbor got a fancier car. I thought that's, but now, now I have a fancy car and a big fancy payment and now I'm unhappy because somebody has more. <laughs> so you, be careful what you wish for um, yeah. because you just may get it and it might not be what really makes you happy. And, you know, even where you want to live, people say, oh, I want to live at the beach. Go live at the beach for a month. Figure out if you really enjoy the beach. You might figure out you're not a beach person. So always test things and experiment Make sure it, it really is what you want before you make that major commitment to it. You know, that's awesome, Rocky. What do we do as women specifically? We go and try on clothes or shoes. Mm-hmm. We want to get the perfect, look at this purse. It looks just great in that mirror. We do all this trying on. Why not try on your life? Uh, and I, I, a number of years ago, said I wanted to live in a certain part of Brooklyn. So I said to my husband, why don't we just go do a B&B for a week and live in that neighborhood? We'll be out and about, we'll walk around, we'll get the paper, we'll go to work from there. We'll get to see how our life really is living there and see if we really like it. And it's kind of a way to try it on, like trying on a purse or shoes 
before we actually move in. So how'd it go? We didn't do it yet. <laughs> oh, you never tried? Oh, okay. <laughs> we had the idea to do it, but I was like, this is the perfect way to do it because we're thinking we like this neighborhood. How do we really know what it's like full time? Correct. You know, you yeah. drive by in the daytime, it all looks beautiful, but you don't know what traffic is. You don't know what nightlife is. Yeah. You just don't know until you do it. And I think that's the biggest problem. We make commitments without thinking about what does that mean? And what does living in Brooklyn really mean big picture? And what are all the other things that go along with it that you might not have thought about that you yeah. start to think about once you're there? I think a lot of it is just figuring out the end game, mm -hmm. testing it out, and then taking steps towards it. Yeah, absolutely. They had something a number of years ago. I don't know if it still exists. It was like vocation, vacation, something like that. I might not be here anymore, but it was a wonderful idea for younger people to decide what kind of vocation I'd like to go into and kind of be an apprentice for a week or two while you're on vacation, hang with this person who's an accountant and see them at work and, and see what the life of an accountant is like. Is that something you want to do in day out, day in and day out? Because a lot of people I talk to will go to college and say, oh, I want to be a lawyer because the idea of being a lawyer or a doctor mm -hmm. sounds great. They actually go and get the degree and they're like, oh, I can't do this for the next 20 years. And so then they actually are like, oh, they take their degree and they go into a totally different thing and thinking, well, I didn't want to do that. But so I kind of like that idea of imprint, apprenticeship as well as, you know, for, for your vocation or life work. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of people who have thought about going into the medical field and then they realize that the sight of blood makes them faint. And it's, you know, it's a good thing you didn't spend <laughs> years working on that one. <laughs> You're right. Exactly. So what do you, what is your top tips for business owners getting started there just out of the gate? Um, but they want to grow a business financially successful. What are your top tips for them getting started? So the first thing for a business owner getting started or for any business owner is number one, you have to separate your personal finances and your business finances. So keep them separate, even if you just have a regular separate bank account, separate credit card. The number one thing you want to do is track all your income coming in and your expenses going out. Because if you miss your expenses going out, you're missing a massive tax deduction for them. So that's mm -hmm. number one. By having it separate, it's much easier not to miss things and to know what's going on. The second thing we talk about is putting profit first. You're in business to make profit. So build a business that is profitable. So we kind of change the equation. The equation everyone knows is that sales minus expenses equals profit which means profit comes last. It's something your accountant tells you when they prepare your taxes and they hand you a K-1. They go, oh, you made a lot of profit last year. And you're like, well, where is that money? And they just kind of laugh and they go, it's, it's a number on the paper and you already spent it. It doesn't really exist. Mm -hmm. So what we try and teach people, and it, it comes out of the Profit First book by Mike Michalowicz, and I help people implement this, but it's basically, it's sales minus profit equals expenses. And so we're taking an equation and we're moving things around and you'll say, well, okay, you move the things around, but it's still the same numbers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but now we're making a psychological shift because now that we're, we're pulling the profit off first, we're putting it in a separate account that we don't see and touch, it removes from you the temptation to spend it as a business owner, because we're always trying to grow our business and reinvest. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. And then number two, it puts the focus on cutting expenses. Mm -hmm. Too often in business, we're like, oh, it's a business expense. Oh, it's a tax deduction. Well, 
you're spending a dollar to get 30 cents back. And that's just a horrible, horrible equation. So it really helps you focus on cutting expenses as a business owner. A lot of times, and you talked about it in the beginning, oh, I'm at 300,000, I wanna go to a million. Well, if you're gonna increase revenue, but your costs are increasing faster than your revenue, it's a recipe for disaster. I think, you know, recently we all read about WeWork that was, you know, for every dollar in revenue they were bringing in, $2 was going out. That only lasts so long. Um, people aren't going to lend you money on that. So be super, super focused on the gap between what your sales are and what your expenses are, because that's what your, your reward is for doing all the hard work and taking the risk. And you should have that reward and you need to remove it so that you don't spend it too fast. I love that, Rocky. What's interesting, I, I'm a financial consultant and I've wa walked into a number of businesses and just recently I was working with a client, I was looking at their in and out and it's interesting, they had a lot of business expenses like wining and dining future clients and la la la. And I thought to myself, if this was their spending for a dinner with friends, they probably would not spend nearly as much. But they were trying to get this deal or a possible deal in the future. And I'm thinking to myself, but are you thinking about the overall what you're putting out what you might get. Is this a viable client that you're spending money on? And I started to think as I was going through the receipts and their, you know, the, the payments out, are they actually looking at it a way, like you were saying, is this really going to be cost effective? Because I think a lot of the times the money we'd spend in our business, we would not spend in our personal life as fast as we would in our business. Cause we think, well, this is for business. It's mm -hmm. going to help me grow. Is it really? And that's the question you have to ask. And I think a lot of times, especially as your business gets bigger, you start to lose sight of some of the things, just expenses that are reoccurring that you're just not paying attention to. Yeah. Maybe you ordered a software package that you pay monthly for that you no longer use. Mm -hmm. Get rid of it. Yeah. Maybe there's certain things. And, and the other part of that is also to look at your customer. Is your customer profitable to you? Because if they're not profitable to you, then maybe it's time to make a change there. Either you're going to have to change how you charge them or maybe it's no longer a profitable part of the business and you need to walk away from doing those services and focus on where you do have the highest profit potential. I think too often we chase revenue, but we don't change the gap, which is the profit. That is awesome. I really, really love that shift. And I think it will make a big impact if folks listening and begin to just make that tiny shift that will make a big difference in their business. Well, I don't want people to leave though about uh, until they find out how they can work with you, find out more about you. How can they do that? So the website is Profit Comes First. That's the easiest way to find me. And then I also have a podcast. It's called Richer Soul. And it's about you got rich, now what? So it's about the rest of life and how do you bring harmony to all the other parts of your life beyond just your money. Mm -hmm. And you can learn plenty of business tips there as well. We, we kind of focus it towards the small business owner and how do you, you manage your business and your life. That's great. It's great because, you know, as you said in the beginning of our interview, it's all con contained package. It's not just the money. It's not just the business personal. It all comes together as one unit. So Rocky, I just have to thank you so much for sharing your great brilliance today on Savvy Broadcasting. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to be here. You betcha. Thank you. If you like this episode, please share. To hear more Savvy episodes and Savvy Biz Tips, go to lifeunscriptedradio.com. To become a guest or participate in paid sponsorship, email us at christinalifeunscriptedradio.com.